Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're talking about the top storylines in the NFL following week two. I'm going to give you three, Connor's going to give you three, and we're going to go back and forth discussing these. And this could be anything about coaches, players, overall teams, the draft, whatever it is, we are talking about the things that we think have impacted the league already so far early in this year. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sykema. That is Connor Rogers. Joining you guys on a Monday following week two of the NFL season. We're switching up a little bit today. We're not doing what matters most from every single game. Instead, we want to take a different approach. See if you guys maybe like this one better. We spend a little bit more time on the topics that might deserve a little bit more time. And that's just talking about the biggest storylines in the league coming off of week two. So we've got two weeks of action and whether that's a draft outlook, a certain player outlook, how teams are looking so far in this early season, we wanted to talk about the biggest storylines after these two weeks. So we'll each bring three to the table and we'll have a good rousing conversation about it. But Connor, how are you feeling today, my man? I'm good, dude. Another week in the books, um, plenty of overreactions, underreactions, a lot of fun stuff. And I think this allows us to really spend more time on the storylines that we value so much. I love what matters most and we won't completely get away from that, but that is our, Hey, the game's literally just ended. It's the second half of Sunday night football. Let's just overreact or, or try to just have a reaction right away from everything. I feel like this, we get to marinate on these a little bit more, especially with a two week sample that we're kind of packaging to get to these. So I'm really excited. Right, right. How was the uh how was the Zach Wilson experience? 2023 version of it. Now that he's Man, the full starter. You know what? I actually feel bad for him because the everybody'll just kind of look at the box score and be like, "Oh, Zach Wilson did it again. He threw three interceptions and like the Jets stink with him and like don't get me wrong, they're a much worse team with Aaron Rodgers, but he the first three quarters of that game You mean without Aaron Rodgers? Without Aaron Rodgers, exactly. <laughs> I just yes. wanted—I wanted to save you. I wanted to save you in the yes. clip right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the clip <laughs> gods ruined my life. They canceled me. Um, <laughs> man, it's—they had so many problems against that Dallas team that were not Zach Wilson problems as well. I think. Now let's be real. If they lose to New England, the Jets' quarterback conversation is absolutely going to pick up because it has to. But it's—I don't know. Last year he he got killed you know, by the media and analysts right. and don't get me right. wrong. Like it was, it was well-earned and there will be times this year where it's going to happen again. This game, it's one of those like, damn, everybody kind of stunk things. So, well, well I got a sneak peek at your storylines and I feel like yeah. this is a decent segue into one of yours because I do want to talk about the Cowboys a little bit because you have to. I think a lot of, there were, there are a handful of people, even at PFF who were like, yeah, Cowboys like Super Bowl. And I was like, damn, really? Like, I, I think yeah. the Cowboys are a really talented team. Obviously, I felt like they were going to be a playoff team once again, but there were more people than I thought there were going to be picking the Dallas Cowboys to not only make it to the Super Bowl, maybe even win the Super Bowl. We're two games into the year, and Lord, they look like a house, dude. And you got to see that firsthand covering the Jets yesterday. So talk to me about one of your storylines, and obviously we'll get into some Cowboys talk as well. I mean, th this isn't the storyline, but they honestly might have the fastest defense in the NFL, yes. which they play so fast. 
I think that they're really well coached, which gets overlooked. And Dan Quinn, baby. Dan, Dan Quinn. How the hell is Dan Quinn still on that staff as a he wants head to coach? Because he wants to be. And true. I think he made the right choice, which is crazy. Dan Quinn, a great defensive coordinator. Um, you know, they got Bones as their special teams coach. And I'll say it right now with my chest, Mike McCarthy called an incredible game yesterday. He really... He's making life very easy on Dak Prescott. He is maximizing their most effective pass catcher in CeeDee Lamb, the way they move him around and get him working. They are not afraid to feed Tony Pollard. Uh, it's two weeks. That. You know, maybe the chickens will come home to roost, but I, Mike McCarthy's been phenomenal this year, and I hope he I hope he can keep it going. But my storyline is that Micah Parsons is on the road to being the defensive player of the year. And more importantly, because that's not really much of a take, although it's plus 440, which after watching the Giants game and then watching the Jets game, I'd probably put him at plus 200. I think there's still Garrett. He's the favorite, but Miles Garrett's plus 500. There's like a field him and TJ. Like It's a field. Mm. People don't think Micah Parsons is the runaway guy. And those guys are great, but there, I have some lines of thinking to this. I, I can make the argument that he's maybe the best non-quarterback in football right now. And there or, it is. That's the take. That's the storyline. That's the storyline. Or him being the best non-quarterback in football is why a lot of people are starting to think Dallas has a shot to make it to the Super Bowl this year. And it's Micah Parsons is an insane talent. It obviously this is about 95% him, but Dallas really Dan Quinn really gets it of how to use this guy. I mean, you just look at the the player pivot yesterday, Trevor. He spent one snap at left defensive end, 17 at left outside linebacker. He played one snap at nose. He stands up, of course. Uh, three snaps at right end, 46 snaps at right outside linebacker. And then he played 11 snaps at inside linebacker. I mean, it's one of those things where he's becoming the kind of player that every time you get to the line and you almost have to get to the line early because of him, you need to identify where he is and what he's going to do. And something that worked for Dallas yesterday. And is it frustrating that the Jets had no counter to this? Like my counter would be when they stand him up at nose tackle, you should probably run at him, which sounds crazy. But when you just drop back to throw and you have wide splits and you have a five man protection, He's making centers look hurt, like as bad as they can possibly look. He's making centers look like they aren't NFL players and guards. He's too yeah. fast. Yeah. And, you know, on on Jets postgame, um, my co-anchor, Bart Scott, made a great point. It's almost like they use him where the Steelers used to let Troy Palomalo just run around up front and wreak havoc. And it was like, dude, do what you got to do to mess up the play. And I remember... The Jets and Seahawks used to do that with Jamal Adams when he was healthy, and he was always having a ton of sacks as a safety, and everyone was like, how is this happening? With a player like Micah Parsons, it's like cranked up 20 notches because he's 250 pounds. Right. He's, he's almost faster than those guys, I think, at that size. He's strong. It's stupid. It's 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 a create a player, a create a front seven player. And I, yeah. I want to label him a front seven player because – He's lining up everywhere. Like, even if you say, well, he's not a real nose tackle. He's just standing up at the nose. That's what makes it so difficult. The interior offensive lineman cannot get their hands on this guy. So Parsons is a game wrecker. Shout out to everything around him as well. They have great players in that front seven that they rotate in. Um, Adijazua 
played well. I mean, they have a lot of talent on the edge. They have a good cornerback duo that gives him time to get home. He's I, honestly, I guess the better way to put it, right? Because it's like the, there's a big debate over who's the best non-quarterback in the NFL. We could probably sit here and argue over 10 to 12 different players. Yeah. But I think my point is he's the most difficult, in my opinion, right now to game pl- out of any non-quarterback. He's the toughest guy maybe to game plan against him and Tyreek Hill is almost what it feels like right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's the, just two players who are insane athletes like i'm trying to think obviously like what you what you say about parsons is like hey he's probably the most valuable or impactful non-quarterback in the league quarterback is you don't really you can't really have that debate with quarterback just because they they impact the game so much they have the ball in their hands right so so that's kind of a, a totally different conversation but some of the other players that you think about like okay you think about the players that are of similar positions, you know, Nick Bosa, TJ Watt when he's fully healthy, Miles Garrett, obviously, and all those guys are phenomenal. Chris Jones as well, I would throw into that mix. I mean, Chris Jones came back yeah. for one game yeah. and we saw it was an absolute nightmare off for the, the couch. Jaguars, dude. He got off the couch and destroyed the game. Oh, and I feel bad because you realize he was doing all that to Anton Harrison, right? Rookie I, and, I didn't. I didn't even think twice. Rookie of it Anton Harrison had, and you remember what we talked oh, about pre-draft, man. okay? Of like course. I think I think I liked Harrison. I think Harrison was a little bit higher for me than he was. Yeah, for me. a and little bit. I liked the pass rush profile from Harrison. I thought he had really light feet. I thought he moved very, very well. And I was like, man, th- a, a guy who is this natural of a pass protector. Give me that dude. I'll definitely take right. that dude somewhere as a fringe first-round prospect. But for a year and a half, you and I said the same thing. He's got to get stronger. He's got to get stronger. For Steve Spagnuolo to line up Chris Jones at end against Anton Harrison is just Dante Inferno's ninth circle of hell. Like that, like it does not get any worse than that. It that was, and unfortunately, the film uh, showed that. So yeah, I mean, we throw Chris Jones into that argument as well. Tyree Kill, I, I definitely agree with you. Some people would say like Justin Jefferson and. Jefferson continues to be uncoverable every single week, no matter who he's going up against. But it, it's really hard to debate against that point of who strikes fear, who strikes more fear in an opponent's heart than Micah Parsons. Yeah. I think Tyreek Hill is probably the only other one. And that is would, yeah. no T- disrespect to any of the other incredible yep. players that we just listed off. TJ Watt, Miles Garrett are are hovering around it. Um, and Nick but, Bosa, Nick, Nick Bosa too. You have to throw in a, sure. Nick Bosa. I just saw yeah. this because I was looking this yeah. up when we were going to have this Parsons conversation. Bosa's played two games. <laughs> we have a, so we have we have different stats for pass rushing broken down into a couple different categories. Obviously, we have sacks, we have quarterback hits, we have quarterback hurries, uh, and but then we have like beaten defenders, which is like how many times you obviously beat the guy in front of you, but maybe there wasn't enough time to record a pressure. Like maybe the play develops so quickly or the quarterback just gets the ball out of his hands so quickly that even though you beat the defender, you don't necessarily get a pressure for it. Nick Bosa already has 14 beaten defenders this season. The next closest is Max Crosby with eight. Which tells you what the offensive coordinator is thinking Nick Bosa I mean, they basically are like, we can't allow him to have a chance to right. destroy us. Yes, let's completely. So that's a really good metric because yeah. it's basically accounting for 
you know, quick game. And like you said, it's, it is indicative of how insane it is for him. And they're, you know, their rush around him has gotten a little thinner over the years where you can kind of mark him and say, you're not going to beat us. But when you look at the Cowboys, if you sell out and triple team Micah Parsons, those other guys are going to destroy you. And, and you know, I, I obviously opened up this by talking about some Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl predictions and Super Bowl odds. When you do look at their defensive um, makeup, I should say, with their depth chart and then also knowing that Dan Quinn is the orchestrator of this, it's pretty damn impressive. And there's not going to be many offenses that can handle what they do. Obviously, Parsons wins so quickly and commands so much attention that he himself can be a game wrecker. But Demarcus Lawrence is still playing at a high level. You mentioned Oso Digizu is playing at a high level. When Mozzie Smith obviously gets more consistent with what he has going on, Dorrance Armstrong as well. Like All of those guys are monsters on the front. And then you are pairing that with a very aggressive secondary, right? Stephon Gilmore, he's one defensive player of the year before. Like He gets it. He understands it. He's somebody that knows how to take chances. We know that Trayvon Diggs is of that element as well. And then you go to the safety and you see Malik Hooker. You remember Malik Hooker going all the way back to Ohio State. He was getting an interception every single week. So you truly have an incredible pairing here for the Cowboys. They're the ferociousness of their defensive line paired with the aggressive ball skills that they have uh, assembled in the secondary there. And then, of course, Dan Quinn being the uh, – the, um, orchestrator of kind of what's going on the conductor if you will and and that's just an incredible an incredible pairing there so it's hard to argue with that i'm curious if if there's some people in the comments who are listening to this who are like there's no 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 no. michael parsons not there yet it's got to be this guy but man it's hard to argue that there is a player in the nfl that strikes more fear into opponents than uh, than parsons for my big storyline and i i think this is a big one so i had to lead with this one Joe Burrow's hurt, man. And I know that that was kind of a duh, but I had already written this down about halfway through the Bengals game. Really, you look at that Geno Stone interception, and I I tweeted about this. Go watch this play, because Burrow, after the game, he says, hey, I tweaked my calf again. Yeah, obviously, like, I'm still dealing with it. He said that he tweaked it again, throwing the touchdown to T. Higgins with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. I can tell you right now that calf was a major problem long before that throw. Right. Good call. And obviously the Bengals are sitting here. They're 0-2. But you go and you watch that interception from Geno Stone. Yeah, okay. Probably just wasn't a good decision overall. Probably shouldn't have gone to that throw. But watch the throw, man. Burrow already does not have a strong arm. There is no power in the lower body on that throw. None. He floats that thing in there like it's coming off of a noodle of an arm. And Burrow doesn't have that bad of arm strength. I know people have ragged on it before, but it's not nearly that bad. You watch the mechanics and you watch his body when he throws that football. He is so ginger, I would say, from the waist down. And you can tell he's trying to torque his chest and his shoulders more to get something out of it. This dude's calf is still... It was still hurt before he quote-unquote tweaked it, which that's a problem now because he first injured his calf back in July. July 27th is when he injured that calf. So it's been a, it's been a, I almost said a year and a half. It's been a month and a half. 
And his calf was still bad enough to where it was truly affecting how he was able to play football. You go to some other statistics as well that I looked up at from, from these last two weeks from Burrow. 7.2 average depth of target, lowest in his career by far. A lot of people are like, man, Bengals are going quick game a lot. They're throwing a lot of screens. They're ch- Burrow's checking it down. They don't why, look like why, themselves. Why are they doing it? Right, they don't look like themselves. Burrow can't throw it deep. You even watch some, okay, obviously he had a couple of nice throws later in the game that got the Bengals close, but watch him. Watch how much air he's putting under that throw because yeah. he cannot drive. He cannot drive the football. And that's why the average depth of target is down. His time to throw is quicker than it's ever been in his career. It was, it was 2.31, I think, which is, is yeah, it's a career low for him. So he's getting the ball out of his hands quick. It's a, it's a lot of quick game stuff, and it's just because he's not healthy. Now, it's a big storyline because next three games for the Ram, for the uh, for the Bengals. I remember they're 0-2, obviously. Rams, at Titans, at Cardinals. Not the worst thing in the world. If Burrow's got to sit, this is probably the stretch that you would want him to sit. The three games after that, at Seahawks, at Niners versus Bills. Actually, I think the Seahawks game might be at home. So it's Seahawks at Niners versus the Bills. That's rough. He better be healthy by the time they get those three, or this season's going to get ugly real quick for a really talented Cincinnati team. So that had to be my big storyline is where Joe Burrow is at right now. Take it from me. Your quarterback being hurt sucks. And Joe, Joe Burrow, man, I give him a lot of credit. I think he, like all great competitors do, and he is one of the true great competitors at this position in the NFL. I think there was no chance in hell he was missing week one. And hindsight is 2020. Looking back at it, you just have to wonder if they push it or he pushed it or and calf injuries are weird, man. They're one of those things that you can't really play through it. Like I've asked guys about this that have had them. And I'm like, man, when when a fan sees calf injury, they're like, seems minor. And a lot of guys that have had them in the league are like, man, it's probably one of the worst things you could deal with because you just look you nailed it, Trevor everything about it, especially from the quarterback position, physically what that does to you. And if you do push through it, it's just not typically going to get better. No. So now they're at a crossroads where, you know, they probably looked at it and were like, man, we could push in. We're going to be a little different, but we could probably get through this one and one at a minimum. Like we'll at a beat, minimum, they probably we'll Cleveland they thought, or Baltimore. Yeah. yeah. And it's been really ugly in both games. And now you have a guy who's, I thought he how honest he was after that game. I was like, this is kind of serious. He's even like being open about being hurt now. Like you said, it, it feels like he was hurt, but wasn't being open about it. But now it seems more significant. Yeah. I, they're one of my favorite teams to watch in the NFL because of him, because of Jamar Chase. I think the defense, I've said this before on this podcast, is one of the rare NFL defenses that there's not this superstar that everyone has their eyes on. They play as a unit. They're like mm-hmm. the Spartan shell. Like, okay, we have our numbers and everybody does their job rather than we have two superstars. And if you don't stop them, you lose. And they have great players, but they don't have the guys we talked about at the top of the pot, right? Micah Parsons, right. TJ Watt. Right. So I-, I hope they can figure this thing out. But another sneaky thing here that came up, and once again, take it from me, I know about not having a backup quarterback when your star goes down. 
I mean, can they afford for him to not play, Trevor? Do we know? Can Jake Browning keep this ship afloat? No, and that's why this is a major storyline in the NFL. Okay, major since, since 2020. So since they have expanded the playoffs to seven teams to get in, there's only one team that has started 0-2, which the Bengals already are, that have made the playoffs. And that team is last year's Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, like they're so they they know how to do it. But the problem is that Bur- if Burrow's got to sit, now the Ravens are sitting here at two and zero. You're already in the toughest division in football. The Ravens are now two and zero because they beat you this past weekend. If the Browns win tonight, is Monday Night Football, and even if the Browns like if the Browns win tonight, then you got two teams at the top of the division that are two and zero, and you're sitting there at zero and two, and your quarterbacks right. hurt. I mean, but even Ugh. if the Steelers win, then it's two and zero, one and one, one and one, and they're just staring down the barrel of he better get healthy within the next two, three weeks. And when I say healthy, I don't mean that he can just play. I mean, he's got to play like Joe Burrow, a healthy Joe Burrow can because the Seahawks, we saw what they can do. Like week one was really hard to believe for the Seattle Seahawks. They had some injuries. They were dealing with stuff along the offensive line. The Rams came out and hit him in the mouth and they couldn't recover as the game went on. They went into Detroit. And had an incredible comeback against Detroit. That that game, that game was amazing to watch. And that's just a team that's always going to be tough every single week. And then it's of course the Niners and the Bills, which are going to be two of the best teams in the conference. So if Cincinnati's sitting here a couple weeks from now, and I know this is like an obvious like duh, but if they're sitting here like, hey, yeah, Joe Burrow's fully healthy again, but we're two and six, it don't matter at that point. To me, the AFC is too yeah. good. You would have to go on a miracle run after that. And it's just, it's hard. It's really hard to not be negative about the Bengals situation. And that's coming from somebody who picked them to win the division again. The Ravens look look incredible. Lamar looks great. The passing weapons look awesome. What Mike McDonald is doing with the defense this year for, in Baltimore has been stellar so far. It's, uh, I don't know, man. I'm really worried about the Bengals. I'm really worried about the Bengals. What scares me the most there is, I agree with you, like the Ravens look good, but I don't even think they look close to who they're going to be. They're still figuring out Todd Munkin's offense. And when they get humming, it's like, how much better are they going to be? And you already... Pisses me off. J.K. Dobbins got hurt, man. Pisses me off. I know I they always go back to the Gus bus and they're doing this, you know, obviously split share with him and um, Oregon Hill. State Justice Hill. Thank you. It's amazing. I, I can remember the co- Oklahoma State. I can remember the college yeah, right. not the player's <laughs> name. That's like sick draft brain. So anyway. Yeah. OK, so storyline uh, number two for me mm-hmm. back on uh, some good vibes here staying in the AFC. Man, I think Mike McDaniel might win coach of the year. I really do. And Got a good shot. What's the odds now? Do you plus 1,300. Yeah. Who's the favorite? The favorite is not him. Um, I just looked this up. I think he he's second or third. Okay, so the favorite is Dan Campbell, which these odds are weird to me. Dan Campbell's the favorite. At plus 950, Matt LaFleur is the runner-up at plus 1,300, tied with McDaniel, and then Sala is plus 1,500. What you have to remember 
with coach of the year is you need a coach that will get all the credit if things go well. So Andy Reid's not like love Andy Reid and he's a big reason the Chiefs are so great. A Patrick Mahomes led team is probably not. Yeah, Mahomes will win MVP before Andy Reid wins coach of the year. So that's the conversation here, right? Is that like Tua is tied with Mahomes right now for MVP front runner at plus 700 and Tua very well could hang around. Mahomes are tied? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Yeah, good for Tua, man. For real. I I really mean it. What a season so far. What a season. But people voting on this because it's decided by humans. We haven't given the coach of the year to AI yet. Thank God. It's the only thing we're holding on to as a society. Is the coach of the year vote? What's the, Mute, what's the AI movie? It's like the creator or something. And it's like, yeah, man, they've taken everything of from us, That's... obviously, other than the AP poll in college football. <laughs> and the Perfect, perfect. So, Mike McDaniel, he's a very front-facing coach. Like everybody, la- he goes viral all the time. Everybody laughs at his videos. He's quirky. He's a very interesting interview. He's also an offensive genius, and he's also going to get a ton of credit for the Dolphins being really good, which I think he deserves. I'm not saying he doesn't. I think Mike McDaniel could be on the path to winning coach of the year, and I think the Dolphins are very for real. And I think their defense hasn't even found it yet under Vic Fangio. And they're missing Jalen Ramsey. They've dealt with injuries. Uh, Jalen Phillips didn't play week two like that. The injury bug catches this team a lot, and I think the defense is underwhelmed, but there's a lot of context with that. I think offensively, they can literally score with anyone. And the, I know there are people listening, not everyone, but people listening are like, yeah, but they're always one to an injury away from disaster. And I don't really disagree that much with that. So is but, every team's quarterback. Th- thank you. Yeah, we've already seen it. So, exactly. And I think they're more equipped for it this year, I, not to be like a... You know, Mike White, but like, I think he can get them through a couple games if it came down to it. Anyway, Mike McDaniel, what he's doing for this Dolphins offense, I wanted to, the reason I had this storyline is not to give people like a long shot bet, which is fun, fun part of it. It is interesting what they're doing too. As this league has really fully dove headfirst into, we talk about this a lot, every team's leading formation from their offensive personnel is typically 11 personnel, right? Like it's even if you're a team that does it 60% of the time, that's going to be your majority formation. Right. And then I've always say you have the McVeigh's of the world. It's like 91%. Like that's the, the, you know, the range. Do you know the dolphins leading personnel group this year on offense is 21. Alec Ingold has played 64. uh, I think exactly 50% of their offensive snaps or right around there. Wow. They, I know I was shocked by this as well. When I went on ultimate and did some research for this whole Mike McDaniel thing. Now they have run, basically it's like this. They've run 21 personnel, 47.6% of the time, 11 personnel, 46% of the time, then almost nothing else, nothing else. 22 personnel, five plays, you know, they They, just, they must pretty much all they do. I mean, they, they must be doing that. And it's kind of smart. If I'm just trying to think about it on the fly here, like if you, certainly have somebody that you trust out of the backfield to run the football with when you are, when you've got a 21 personnel set, you're forcing the defense to go a little bit heavier and you have two of the fastest receivers in the game. So you ready for this? Yeah. So they've run 60 plays out of 21 personnel. They've run play action 19 times out of those 20 of those 60 plays. 
They've only run play action two other times all year. So they are like you, that is, you just nailed it, Trevor. You literally just threw me the alley-oop of what the Dolphins are doing is they are trying to get teams to go heavier to match up with their personnel look. Yeah. But they don't give a shit that only one or two wide receivers on the field for them have to win because they do because 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 they're so fast. Like it's always a numbers game, right? Like everybody's trying to put three or four wide receivers on the field because they're like, how do we, you know, spread everyone out and, and beat coverage? The Dolphins with McDaniel are cheating the game because they have two guys that can automatically beat anybody in the league. So the Dolphins get to have their cake and eat it too. The Dolphins get to be heavy, but not play heavy. And that's, to me, a mastermind calling this offense. That's, I love that, man. Because, because too, when when you go to the running backs that they have on the roster, it is... Raheem Mostert, Devon A. Chain, right? And I mean, I know four three, four three, right? And it, it, it's it's one of those things where if you put a lead blocker in front of them, and that blocker springs them into open space, they're gone. You know, like they they have put together a game plan where you absolutely have to win in the trenches on a 21 personnel look because if you give Mostert space, we saw it last night against New England. Yep. He'll, he'll, he'll beat you to the corner. He's that fast. So man, I absolutely love that. I, I, that's, that's great research by you. And obviously that's a, that's a great job by Mike McDaniel for, for what he's doing with personnel. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's a great shout out there. I love that. It's yeah. I just am obsessed with the trends of like, who's doing something different. That's working. Yeah. Because every, everybody will follow. It's, because uh, Mike every, McDaniel's the Moses of the NFL. Everybody is. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting in trouble for that. Uh, people <laughs> love it. people love the numbers game. Oh, I thought about it. Um, Ten Commandments is just get Tyree kill the ball written ten <laughs> times <laughs> over in stone. <laughs> I'm glad it landed at least. You could have just completely ignored me, and I wouldn't have been offended. Uh, all right. So, what was I going to say? Something about Moses crossing the Red Sea. I don't know. Um, Normally it's a numbers game with 11 personnel and you're trying to get as many wide receivers on the field as possible, but because you're trying to win the numbers with bodies, but the Miami dolphins, the only numbers that they care about is four, three, four, three wide receiver, four, three wide receiver, four, three running back. Like though that, that's the numbers game. The Miami dolphins actually care about is that we've drafted and assembled better athletes than you are ready to cover. And are I you that ready? That's awesome. Are you ready for them to trade a fifth round pick for Kyle Pitts? You know, it was, uh, you know, it was weird. <laughs> I, I looked this up. So Puka Nakua has 26 catches in, in his first two games of his NFL career. Oh which no, is this, where's this the going? Stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's insane. Kyle Pitts had 28 catches all of last year. Ah, <sighs> Puka Nakua is Puka Nakua has 26 currently two games into his NFL career. Kyle Pitts had 28 last year. Now Kyle Pitts only played in 10 games, but Kyle Pitts still played in 10 games, 10 games, dude. I looked that up yesterday and I, re- I didn't really know how to craft the tweet correctly. <laughs> That's the worst, isn't it? You're like, so I have I some so- here. <laughs> yeah. I'm like screaming at my family. They're yeah. just asking me, you know, Hey, how's your day? I'm like, I can't figure out this tweet. <laughs> I need the copy. I need an editor. Um, oh, it's tough. So yeah, 
I, anyways, I love the point. Absolutely love the point. Big shout Thank out to you. Mike Montano, potentially be coach of the year. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn into a negative Nancy or a negative Nelly, which is just so un, unlike you. I'm gonna end two weeks of the football season. I'm with a positive. <laughs> hey, Baker Mayfield's the goat. I don't have anything to he, complain about in Tampa. So now I got to find some stuff to complain about around the rest of the I league. Know. He's he's fully back. Shout out. Speaking of coaches, shout out Dave Canales, their offense coordinator. That dude is in his bag early this season, and you really do love to see it. But that's not what I'm talking about. Unfortunately, I have to talk about the team that they were playing, the Chicago oh, Bears. No, who look Bubba. truly horrendous. Yeah. I think a lot of people are looking at Chicago's situation, and they're going to tell you, well, I think that there's a lot of culprits here. Think the coaching staff and play calling, offensive play calling is bad, which I would agree with. I think the offensive line's not nearly where it needs to be, which I would agree with. I think the offensive playmakers were overrated going into the season, which I would agree with. And I think that Justin Fields is still a tick slow when it comes to reading the field, how to read the field, and where to get the ball. And I think all of those things are true. You can hear a lot of people on Twitter go at one of these points and sometimes they're going to tell you, no, 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 it's this. I'm telling you it's everything. And when it's everything that's a major issue for a coaching staff that finished with three wins last year. What were they? Th- three and 14. I think it was three and 14. That sounds and right. Cause then now they, yeah, that sounds right. Now they're only two to start this season. And I'm telling you, man, I don't know. I don't know if this ends well for Matt Eberflus. And this, mm. I, I like Matt Eberflus a lot. I like the hire when they made the hire. And I am somebody who believes that you've got to give coaches more than two years. You do. Yeah. But unfortunately, I don't know if he gets it. I, I, I don't know because Chicago is on their way to another disappointing season. It's going to look bad on the offensive line. It's going to look bad on a lot of the guys that they acquired. And it's more, most importantly going to look bad on Justin Fields. And the biggest problem is, is that, they are entering a draft scenario where they have two first round picks and it's getting really hard to believe that they wouldn't use one of those on a quarterback, especially given the quarterbacks that are in this current class, because fields, if you were to keep him and say, no, 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 we're still committed to him. Even if they struggle this year, if they go, no, 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 we're going to keep him. We're going to fire the offensive coordinator. We're going to get a new offensive coordinator in there. Maybe it works. Maybe it does. But I think it's going to be really hard for ownership and for Ryan Poles to sit here with two first-round picks this year, knowing that his offensive line is still not where it needs to be and knowing that his defensive line is still not where it needs to be, to think we're going to go into year four of a we-still-don't-know-with-Justin-Fields, not take a quarterback with one of our two first-round picks, knowing that we are still a year or two away in the trenches from being able to compete. And then guess what? Once you get to that point in the trenches, best case scenario, of course, then you've got to sign Justin Fields to a second second contract if you believe he's worth it. A lot of ifs. A lot of ifs in that statement. And Connor, it's getting harder and harder. It's it's an, it's an early season. I know they got 15 games to go. But it's getting really hard for me to think that this ends well for what the bears have been trying to build since they drafted Justin Fields. It feels like we're going to come to an end because I don't know if you can get this fixed during this season. And then they're going to have two first round picks to really think about it. 
You're 100% right. And I'm glad you brought this up because it's getting scary fast in Chicago for everyone. And I, I think ultimately Ryan Poles is fine because putting my politics hat on, I would think before he traded away that first rounder, he had a conversation, you know, with ownership that yeah. went something like, hey, you know, if I'm am I given next year? Because if so, we're going to run to that Justin out there in 2023. We're going to do everything we can to support him and get him a better offensive line, get him better weapons, uh, have a deep running back room. And if it doesn't work, then I have ammo in what I deem as a better quarterback draft, you know, opinions aside, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, of course, a better quarterback draft. Will I have that opportunity to get my guy, my own guy, and most do, right? Everybody usually gets to take their guy at some point if they have to. So I think polls will be okay. I don't know if I could say that about anyone else. Maybe right. Trevor, though, polls protects Eberflus, right? It's one of those like, hey, we probably need a new offensive staff, but you're going to stay. I'm going to stay and we're going to try to we're going to try to get on a timeline together. It's the GM, the head coach and the new quarterback. And right. Some people might not like listening to us, you know, writing off fields yet, but it's time for a hard conversation. It's not working. And well, I yeah. still think fields is incredibly talented. And I think that that's yeah. the big like cop out. But the problem is, I just don't know if that gets better in Chicago now. That's that's no. the point that we it's are like fresh start time. We are we are basically to the point where even if you still believe in Justin Fields, which I do, I do still think there's reason to believe in him. We're losing excuses or reasons to believe that that's going to happen in Chicago. That's good. That's a good way to frame it. So I mean, I, we're going to know soon, though, because here's the reality. Nobody expects them to beat the Chiefs next week, like whatever. Oh, and three. But then they got the Broncos and Commanders, Vikings and Raiders. If you're not better than one and three in that four game stretch, yeah. You, if you're if you're not two and two in that stretch, you're in deep deep trouble. You're if, in if, if deep, they're one and three, trouble. obviously they're starting the year one and six. There you go. And they're basically going to be in the front runner or the driver's seat for the number one overall pick. And you know you know damn well they're not about to trade the number one pick two years in a row. I mean, nobody that no can take Caleb Williams, it, I don't think, is trading that pick. Yeah. That seems insane. It would have to be a situation. Uh, no, there's no, no, no. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, Trevor, looking at the Bears' schedule, like if this isn't the year you're getting your answer on your quarterback, their schedule is not anything crazy. I haven't pulled it up. I mean, I, I we said the Chiefs this weekend, then that four-game stretch that they have to show you something, Denver, Washington, Minnesota, Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Okay, then the Chargers and the Saints. Chargers defense ain't shit, so you'd like to see something there, but the Chargers will outscore them. They'll will field Staley be coaching the team by then? <sighs> All right, circle Halloween with a red pen. Does Staley get to dress up as the Chargers coach for Halloween? Oh, my Lord. What a line. What a zinger. The good question, though. He probably does. He probably no, gets he the does. year. The, I, yeah, they're not getting... They, I don't think they're going to fire him in the middle. Boy, is he feeling it, though. Did you see that? He has Presser? to be. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah he, I get it. I don't know, man. I, it's frustrating, though, watching that team and knowing what they have. It's frustrating. All right, so... 
that'll take me to my final storyline here. Yep. And this is a fun one. I think B. John Robinson is the best running back in the NFL. Let's go, baby. I, I really Let's do. go. People might think I am. I have lost We're my mind. We're two weeks in. Man, this dude. When the you look at what PFF he, are riding. Yeah, the running backs are back, baby. Running back first offense. So he's gotten 29 carries on the year for mm-hmm. 180 yards. And uh, he's 115 of those 180 yards are after contact. He this just this weekend, he forced six missed tackles in the run game against Green Bay. He was just making them look silly. I mean, he's averaging over six yards per carry. He's averaging four yards after contact per attempt. That's insane. If for and, the and NFL, this is that's who, pretty insane. That's know? pretty insane for the NFL. Good, yes. He's been targeted 11 times. He's caught 10 of them. Uh, he has forced, let me pull up the missed tackles for that. Four missed tackles after the catch. Two explosive plays already in the past game. And here's the thing. Get away from all the numbers. Throw them all out. And they're good. They're really good. Doesn't he look different out there? You just oh, watch yeah. him run. It's B. John Robinson is the Leonidas of fighting against running backs. Don't make a difference. Don't matter. They're replaceable. Like this is the guy where it's like, oh, no, this is different. I'm going to make three people miss. And a run that should have went for three yards went for 18. This is the guy. Oh, we could throw to him six times a game. And he's going to basically be Alvin Kamara in the past game. Prime Alvin yep. Kamara. Cool. But I could also turn around and handle the ball 20 times a game. He can. It's almost the Micah Parsons conversation, I think, on offense. And he's not obviously that level of player yet. But you could just you always have to watch where he is. You always have to watch where he is pre-snap and post-snap. And the one time Green, Green Bay didn't watch where he leaked out of the backfield and they just threw it to him. I mean, it was like, you can't let that happen because he'll kill you. He'll absolutely kill you. I love watching this dude play. It's different. I think part of it is too, and, and it's harsh because it's first year starting. I don't think Desmond Ritter has looked good at all in two games. I know some people are, are seeing some growth and positives and hopefully he finds those. I think this is a training wheels offense for him. I think he got away with some stuff in week two. And I think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter right now because Atlanta can win a lot of games by featuring Bijan Robinson, the way Arthur Smith coaches this offense. We know they spent a lot of money on defense. I think Bijan is the best running back in football. And people will come around to that by the end of his first season. I think Nick, I think Nick Chubb's the best runner in the NFL. Sure. I think Christian McCaffrey is the most valuable running back in the NFL. But B. John Robinson's in both conversations. Yeah. And it's really crazy to say that two weeks into his NFL career. Right. Run, running back is very up and down, right? I mean, there's going to be some games where you're absolutely stuffing the stat sheet wild, especially for a guy who can impact both the run and the pass game. And then there's going to be games where it, it's a little bit more quiet. But the guys that can successfully impact the game one week on the ground and then one week through the air – those are the ones that you draft high. And, and that's what you and I were preaching before last year's draft. I mean, I think I had him as my number two overall player. Um, I don't remember. Where'd you have him? Where was he? So I'm going to pull up right now. I think I had him. I had him either number two or number three. Can't remember if I had Will Anderson ahead of him, but he was, he was top up. three for me. And there were some people who I remember they looked at 
my big board, your big board, and they're like, hey, do you take positional importance into account because you have Bijan Robinson as high as you do? So like I'm I I, I got asked the question, and it's a it's a, it's a great question. I'm not getting on anybody who asked the question, but it allowed I think you and I throughout the course of last draft season to say, yeah, we take positional importance into account on a big board, but this guy's this damn good. Like he's that good of a player. He does the things that are independent of offensive line that is just truly unique for running backs. And I, and I believe that Christian McCaffrey does the same thing. Now I think that Bijan could even be a better runner than Christian McCaffrey is. Cause there's times where I kind of question what Christian McCaffrey is like as a rusher out of the backfield, but he's, you know, his impact in the passing game is paramount to both teams. He's been on the, the, the Panthers and the Niners. Bijan presents you with that same opportunity. So like I said, I think Nick Chubb's the best pure runner in the NFL. I think Christian McCaffrey is the most valuable, but I think that Bijan is to me, basically number two already right, right behind Christian McCaffrey because of what he's able to do. So while we fourth sitting overall. here thinking about that, so, okay. You yeah. Him fourth. All right, all right. Yeah. He's only behind Will Anderson, Bryce Young and Jalen Carter, which like for a running back, it's crazy. It is crazy. No, it's a great shout out. I'm going to, I'm going to stay along the same lines. I'm going to shout out the Falcons. This is a storyline that I want to talk about because I think the Falcons are a legit team, man. I'm I'm worried about the defense holding up the way that it needs to, but Falcons are sitting here at 2-0. Amazing comeback this past week against the Green Bay Packers. And it was a comeback that had just some, just some guts to it too. Going forward on fourth down, you know, and and I think Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith's a phenomenal coach, man. I yeah. think that Arthur Smith needs to be in that conversation potentially as coach of the year for what he does with that team. I looked this up, okay. Well, shout out this first stat is is courtesy of of Kelly Price, good friend of mine who I went to University of Florida with, who now covers the Atlanta Falcons. She tweeted that the Falcons are outscoring their opponents twenty seven to nothing in the fourth quarter this season. I went back even further. I was like, okay, that's an awesome stat. 21-0 in the fourth quarter, that's the big boy football. I took it back to last year as well, and I looked up just in the fourth quarter how the Atlanta Falcons do. They're fifth in the end, just in the fourth quarter since the beginning of 2022. Fifth in the NFL in EPA per play on the offensive side of the ball, and 11th in EPA per play allowed. That's with a bad defense. That's great. That their is defense the crazy part. Was, their, their defensive roster was horrendous last year. Yep. Now, there might be some context of, I don't know, you know, teams maybe lighten up a little bit, but they're top five on the offensive side of things and almost top 10 on the defensive side of things. That tells me that you've got a coaching staff that understands adjustments. Coaches that are able to make mid-game and end-of-game adjustments are the ones that I think have so much value in this league. And Arthur Smith, to me, is one of them. He gets the most out of his players in crunch time. He gets the most out of them, whether they have a superstar ceiling or barely even a starter ceiling or a rotational player. Whatever it is, I feel like he's getting the most out of these guys. And he consistently has his teams playing their best ball down the stretch. That is that is a big storyline to me because with the Falcons sitting here at 2-0, we don't know what's going to happen with Carolina and New Orleans um, tonight, later on Monday Night Football. But New Orleans could win as well, and they then would go to 2-0. But 
think a lot of people looked at the Falcons as maybe a potential contender in the in the NFC South. I felt like they were still, you know, a year away figuring that defense out. Not sure, not really sure what they were going to get out of Desmond Ritter. To me, they're already overachieving, especially with the way that they won against the Green Bay Packers. So uh, Falcons could hand some teams in the NFC an extra loss or two that we were not expecting going into the year because I think of how good of a job Arthur Smith is doing as a head coach. No disagreement for me. I find him really funny. So doing the fantasy show every day, Arthur Smith has kind of become... Oh, he's public enemy number one. He he like he really gets dragged by the entire fantasy community. You guys want him... Uh, you guys have him on a most wanted list. <laughs> now, there's no you guys in this. I, <laughs> I find it hilarious. I don't... I'm not really for or against him. I like that he torments the fantasy community, but I also... <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> I also dislike it at times. I had Kyle Pitts in fantasy last year. Tra- had to trade him immediately. Yeah. But I also love that he wins games so nobody can check his ass like it's not like well arthur smith like you didn't throw to kyle pitts 11 times today and you guys lost by two touchdowns he's like yeah we won the game like try me and it's like damn yeah i it's just funny to me it, the whole thing is really really funny to me so <laughs> yeah what was it drake london drake london last week one, one target, target zero catches zero yards falcons win Drake London this week, seven targets, six receptions, 67 yards, and a touchdown. Falcons win. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, like, whatever it takes to win. Whatever it takes to win. And people forget this is the man that the two years he was the offensive coordinator in Tennessee, I think he ran Derrick Henry almost 800 times. Yeah, y'all, so, he, yeah, it's true. It's true, man. So I like Arthur Smith a lot. I really do. He, it, it almost makes me wonder. And he's probably at fault a little bit for this because if you – the head coach has some say of how you use those top 10 picks. If he has a quarterback that can be slightly good. I didn't want to repeat the exact thing that I said last week, but Ritter made some really nice plays this past week. You know, they don't, they don't have that comeback without Ritter. So I want to give him a a shout out there, but Can you imagine if the Arizona Cardinals have the number one overall pick at the end of the season and the Falcons get the trade for Kyler Murray? I'm intrigued. Right? I'm intrigued. Imagine this exact Falcons team with Kyler Murray going into the offseason and then an entire offseason to also then give you even more defensive talent. All of a sudden, to me, this would become a playoff contender immediately for the next year. Yeah, I mean, they're going to... I honestly think they're going to get there in the NFC anyway. It's just very funny how they could do it. Spend a lot of money on defense. They got a hell of a running game. They'll, I think they'll get there. They're for real. Uh, I got a couple other things that I wanted to shout out before we get out of here, but um, I definitely want to tell people about DraftKings, what DraftKings is doing, because if you're into sports betting at all, you got to listen to this. We're back with another week of football this upcoming week at DraftKings Sportsbook. is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and you get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw down $5 on any of this week's Epic Game matchups and you're an instant winner. You get that $200 free dollars. DraftKings isn't stopping there either. All customers, so this is, of course, not just new customers, can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. 
So download the app now, sign up with the promo code PFF. New customers can bet just $5 and get those $200 in bonus bets instantly, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL promo code PFF. Brown is yours. If you got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems of gambling at 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensed partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, 21 or older age. Age varies by jurisdiction. Uh, Void in Ontario, csportsbook.draftkings.com slash football for terms and eligibility, responsibly and gambling resources as well. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance and eligibility and deposit restrictions do apply. All right, I just had a couple more things because we're not doing what what matters most. So I wanted to shout out a couple more things. We kind of did the Brandon Staley thing. I don't know if Brandon Staley is long for this head coaching world. I just don't know if he is. I like that we did the Brandon Staley thing. We, I, I just, what else do we say about it? You know, we've done, we've, we've, they cannot yeah. win one score games. They are. So while I was checking how good the Atlanta Falcons are in the second half, I was like, Hey, you know, I'm here. I might as well. I checked the chargers and expanded it to the second half overall. So not just the fourth quarter, third and fourth quarters. They are, I believe bottom five in the NFL in EPA per play on offense. And then bottom 10 in the NFL in EPA per defense in the second half of games. They just, it's the complete opposite of what I just talked about right, with Arthur Smith. Yep. You're not, you are playing your worst ball when it matters in the third and the fourth quarter. And I certainly, I don't think Justin Herbert is blameless, but I certainly do not think he's anywhere close to the top of the list of reasons why. And, um, I'm just not so sure that uh, the brand seal is going to be coaching much longer, man. I'm really not. I guess um, the combo for us becomes where did they go from here? Right. It felt I, like I Sean know. Payton wanted that job and you know, then it, it didn't happen. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't really know where they go from here. Damn. Hmm. I'm just going to say Dan Quinn as every head. <laughs> I'm just going to say Dan Quinn is every head coaching. Yeah. They can see. Because I, I that's a good feel like one. I said the same damn thing last offseason. No, it's but it's I mean, I asked the question and you gave the best possible answer. That's Dan Quinn. That's how it goes. Um what else you got? Oh. Washington Commanders. We can end on this one. Huge shout out, brother. Sam Howell looks awesome. He looks like he is really settling in on his into into uh into his own. That touchdown, was it to Jahan Dotson or was it to Terry McLaurin? I can't I think remember. McC- I think McLaurin. The one where it was in between three defenders, whatever it was. The man thought he was wearing powder blue again. He thought Diami Brown was down there somewhere. Like he, he thought that it didn't matter and that his team was going to outscore whoever they were going up against. And he let that thing fly and it was an absolute dime. I love what I've seen from Sam Howell so far. I really do. Uh, I think that you, we talked about this last week. The, the 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 quarterback conversation of like oh who's Washington's next quarterback you know are we going to talk about them in mock draft scenarios are we going to start giving quarterbacks to Washington I've fully cooled on that certainly until Sam if Sam ever turns the other way around I'm not going to be talking about that because I really like what I've seen from him early on I like the investment there he's going to go up and down and that's fine 
but you love what you've seen early on from him. Um, that team really just feels like they're clicking. I know Charles Leno Jr. after the game said, man, you just feel it. This locker room is different. Defensive line's playing well. They got to defend the run better. There's no doubt. There's, there's, right. To me, there's no question about that. They've got to defend the run better. But Chase Young getting a sack this past week. It's Emmanuel great to see him play well. Chase Young had a Forbes big game. getting a pick as well. His first interception. So... This team's playing well, man. This team's playing. Uh, this team's playing really well. So I wanted to shout out the Washington Commanders here to to end the show. I like it. I, I'm rooting for them. You know, obviously new ownership, a quarterback that I really, really like. I felt like he kind of got the short end of the stick in the draft. I like the comeback story of Chase Young. Great game from him, which is a huge sign for this team. You only play who's on your schedule, and the Commanders have now taken business against two teams that they should have beat, and they're right in the thick of it in the NFC East that. Man, the NFC East, man. Like we've Brother. laughed at it at times. It's starting to be the NFC beast again. I mean, Dude. you got Dallas is great. The Eagles aren't going anywhere. The Giants season was on life support. Dude, <laughs> I, I had the Giants in a survivor pool. Oh my God. You were almost on life support. I that walked, is... I walked upstairs and told my fiance, <laughs> do I I wish. I think we we might we might have a camera up there, so I might need to get the security footage. That is because too good. I walked up there at the end of halftime, and I was like, "Well, I'm out, I'm out of the survivor pool already." And she's like, "What the what what the hell happened?" I was like, "I picked the Giants," and I immediately just started word vomiting, defending my choice, picking the Giants, and how stupid <laughs> it is that they were down twenty to nothing. It's not me. And then, and then the and then the third quarter came around, and I went I w- I went back upstairs, and I was like, "Hold on, we kind of got life here. They scored a touchdown." almost like sarcastically. And then they brought it to within a touchdown and I ran upstairs and I was like, we're still in it. And then they tied it up and I was like, they're going to do it. And then they won. And I was like, I'm getting a Daniel Jones tattoo. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. That, well, they shouldn't have put you in that spot in the first place. Dable said that he didn't take over play calling. I don't know if I believe it. Yeah. There's shots of him on the sideline covering his mouth with a play sheet signaling something in and that was right around the time that the giants actually started to play well so you know if he doesn't want to make the switch he's obviously not going to say that to the media he's not going to say like yeah i took over play calling but uh kafka's going to take it back next week obviously like he's not going to do yeah that, he can't. but i wonder that is an interesting little plot that shit Weren't was they so saying he was like covering day. his face or I Yeah, he was he was like covering his face with the play yeah. sheet and he was like you could tell that his mouth was moving. So I was like, hmm. I wasn't calling the plays, I was just giving input. <laughs> I was, no, I Mike, don't call that. Call this. <laughs> I wasn't calling the plays. I was just telling them play what better. to do. <laughs> I didn't call the plays, I just told them what to do. Whatever. They got out of it and they're alive. I don't so. know how that happened, man. I don't know how it happened. People people want to well, go like all hail Daniel Jones. I don't even know about that. Like it's just, I am not going there it, either. It just happened. It just happened. I mean, but, Arizona kind of looked like who we thought they would be. It just took a little while. Right. It just took a half. And, and then they yeah. completely uh, you know, they Arizona doesn't have much on defense, man. They just don't. No. And they didn't have a lot of life in that second. They they were a little shell shocked. They got some young players out there. It's tough. It's tough. Keechro Clark go. looked good, though. Shout out yeah. Keechro Clark. We'll draft we, uh, him in the show. As long as we can confirm some draft priors. That's all that matters. Keechro Clark looks good. It's all I care. It doesn't matter who wins and loses the games. No. I don't know. Just no. so you know, people know listening to this. No, I don't, I don't watch the games. I don't watch you know, the games. 
just look at the grades and look right. at my draft rankings and then get on this podcast oh, and say, one I was right. that i liked did something good great oh he played <laughs> poorly i didn't see it i never saw it it didn't happen let us know it's just you a guys... preseason <laughs> it's only september give him time it's amazing. He's only four in. years into his career. Some guys, <laughs> oh, no. some guys need time. Look at Geno Smith. All right. He needs a second chance, a fresh start. It's amazing what you could talk yourself into. Why we're still here working. Let us know what you guys thought of this past week's NFL games. Obviously the form was a little bit different. We gave you some storylines that we love. So we didn't hit on all of these games. So if you had something burning that you really wanted us to talk about, or that you wanted to talk about sound off in the YouTube comments, youtube.com backslash NFL stock exchange is the best way to do that. We see all the comments that you guys are throwing out there and the conversations that you're having about your teams. We absolutely love it. It helps keep tabs on, of course, like what you guys want to talk about. So let us know about the format as well. I know y'all love, probably love the, what matters, most because we're covering every single game and like connor said we're going to try to do that um as much as we can but we wanted to throw this one out there because in the weeks where work might be getting in the way for one of us this is kind of a way where hey we can still shout out the things that we want to talk about right just not hit every single game so we we love to hear from you guys as well so hit us up in the youtube comments uh it's a great way to do that if you're audio only uh, at tampa bay trey at connor j rogers on both x and instagram uh dm us follow us all that good stuff we'll be able to go back and forth with you that way connor you got anything else before we get out of here no fun show it's always good when we get to kind of just scatter plot this and go around what we're excited about in the league and hopefully everybody listening you know shares that excitement and as always just comment what you want to hear about we got another show this week you know we'll obviously tap into a little bit of what's going on in the the college draft world what's going on in the rookie world and and throw us your ideas like you always do because we love hearing them yep we absolutely do all right Well, we will be back with you on Wednesday, probably talking a little bit more college ball because there's a lot to talk about with some of the stock up, stock down. Maybe we'll do a first stock up, stock down of the season. Mm. Maybe we'll do that. Playing the show on the show. Look at us. We're back. I'm Trevor Sigma. That's Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. We'll see you on Wednesday.